0: you want to learn more about effective management, head over to madsingers.com and sign up for my free management training. Welcome to the Mad Singers Management Podcast from madsingers.com, where entrepreneurs and business managers learn and share. If you like the show, don't forget to leave a review. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Mad Singers Management Podcast. Today, I'm joined by Beth Miller. Welcome to the show, Beth.
1: Well, thank you, Matt. It's um, a real honor and pleasure to be talking to you today.
0: Excellent. I'm excited to jump into the conversation, but before we do that, do you mind just starting with a quick introduction for people who just know you?
1: Yeah, sure. I, um, I lead Executive Velocity, which is a talent management leadership development advisory firm, and we work primarily with small, mid-sized companies, upwards of 300 employees, So we will work with uh, business owners and um, their leadership team, as well as help identify future leaders and develop them as well.
0: That sounds exciting. And that's, I mean, one of the things I love the most about management is really building teams, building companies and developing stuff, right? So that is probably why I'm so excited for today. Right. Let's let's jump right into it. the the biggest The biggest time issue for for definitely a lot of smaller businesses is is really getting the right. Well, I, I see there being two problems. One is hiring the right people, but also a little bit the challenge of actually putting the right people in the right seats. So sometimes I see people hiring great people, but putting them in a totally uh, wrong roles based on their personality yeah. and skill set and so on. Right. So I, I think if we start out with hiring, what's sort of the the mindset and what sort of the, the philosophy you follow around that?
1: Well I, my philosophy is is have a good process. Um, a lot of smaller businesses um, really don't have a hiring process. You know they'll have a job description, they'll get some interviews in, I interview some resumes in, and then they'll they'll interview kind of randomly. They don't have specific questions that they've created for that position. So that when they get to the point of trying to make a decision, they don't have the same data that they have acquired from from each applicant. Um, The other thing I see nine times out of 10 with smaller businesses is they don't use an assessment that will help um, eliminate a lot of the bias as it relates to um, hiring. So those, the, the process is probably the one thing that I see is, is missing. Um, and then the other is, is actual interviewing skills. Nobody, nobody's taught how to interview. Generally, you, know, you get a job, um, you become a, a manager or supervisor, and all of a sudden um, you have to hire somebody. And HR may have um, you know, helped bring in applicants and you're handed resumes and you're never taught how to ask really good questions and listen for the right kind of answer. So that's, it's, it's the, the skills of a manager and the process. that.
0: Yeah, yeah I, I find it really, really interesting, right? I, I tell all the small business owners I work with, I always tell them the same, like the two most important things as a business owner or a manager, the two most important things to work on is the ability to hire the right people and your ability to build good relationship with them and develop them, right? That's yeah. for me the two most important things you do, because if you get the right people on board, everything else just becomes that much easier, right? We
1: totally agree.
0: I think let let's try and break it down a little bit because I think definitely, as you say, a lot of people don't really know how to go around that. So if we if we start with sort of the, the start of the recruitment process, and I I, I tend to always start with sort of the role, right? And and figuring out, because this is also where a lot of people are, are wrong, uh, not wrong, where they get confused. It's like, you know, I'm, I'm just myself right now. Who am I gonna hire?
1: Yeah, and, and um, oftentimes new managers, inexperienced ones, hire mini-me's. The people that um, are very similar to themselves. I, I see that a lot, especially when I do assessments um, for, for candidates. Um, I was just doing a, a couple the other day and I know this company really well and uh, they gravitate to that same profile of the, the CEO business owner. And the problem is, is, is that now that team is, is lopsided. There's, they, they've got a lot of spontaneity in the, on the team. And they don't have a lot of planned people on the team. Yeah. So, you know, you need, to, you need to understand what you bring to the team and what you need to fill. That yeah, are
0: and, and, and it goes back to one of the most common sayings, right? Like, people always hire people like themselves.
1: Yeah, and exactly.
0: That, that, is, that is so true. And I love the way you put it. I, I think the, the, the way I tend to look at it is it, fairly similar. Um, I I think when you're starting a business, you can either, uh, you need to look at the business and the situation as well, because you can either hire someone to do what you're doing right now, or you can hire someone to do something that's not getting done today. Right. So if you're the product person Mm -hmm. and you're really good with the product, you could hire a sales guy. Right. (laughs) Again, if you're doing a ton of sales and you need more sales, you can hire another sales guy as well, right? So that there's there's a bunch of options that you can look at in terms of who is the right first hire, right? And and I think that's that there's not really a right or wrong answer to that one. I think in all small businesses, though, you you want to hire flexibility, right? Because when you when you only have a few staff members, it's important for people to be versatile, right?
1: Very yes, yeah, and. I think the, the other um, challenge is that um, when you are hiring those versatile people, is that if you're, if you're trying to build like a a software development company, for instance, you're going to want some people that are really, really deep in their knowledge of programming or whatever it is. They're not going to be as flexible as, as the, maybe the marketing person is. So you've You've got to have that that balance um, depending on what kind of, of company you're building. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I totally agree. And this is, this is probably one of the areas where I see the biggest collapse of small business because uh, particularly developers really like other developers. And I see so often where you see a team of two or three people who are yeah. all developers partnering and it just... It's not a good combo, right
1: well yeah, because there you're you're not covering your bases on other things like you know finance and marketing and, and things like yeah. that yeah.
0: Yeah. okay, so that makes sense so so basically start out figuring out who is it exactly you need uh, how, how do you go around so you you mentioned something very particular around the sort of questions to be asking and so on I actually yeah. let, let's say sorry one step before that so uh finding the candidates getting the right sort of People in front of you in the first place, right? Yeah,
1: how- and that that what I find there is a lot of small small businesses. Um, they don't understand how to attract good candidates, and a lot of that is is marketing and sales. And what they'll do is uh, like a platform like Indeed, where they will they'll take the job description and cut and paste it into um, a system like Indeed. Instead of taking that job description and reworking it into a job posting that is a marketing tool to get more people to apply for the job. So I I see that as a really big, big mistake.
0: So one of the key things I always say is, recruitment is not fulfillment it's sales and most people treat it like fulfillment. They're like, oh, we have this thing we need to fill. But really effective recruitment is all about sales because even like you have to sell your company. Like if you want any random Joe coming in from the street, yeah, you can just put a random job ad up that look like shit and you'll find someone. But if you want A players, you really have to sell them your business. You have to sell them your values and your vision right?
1: Yeah. Uh, one of uh, one of the things that I do, and um, I do a hiring workshop, and uh, one of the exercises is um, creating your company story, and then creating your story as it's associated with the company story, so that you can share how you have progressed within the company to get the applicant excited about the company. Most companies don't have that at all. It's It's foreign to them. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, so I I work a lot in this online digital space and there is actually some companies doing really, really good job descriptions and so on, which is really interesting to see, but they, they've sort of caught on and they've realized, you know, uh, very often they, they, they struggle with limited budgets, but they've figured out if they do really good job description and make the job really interesting, they can actually get great people at, at not horribly expensive rates. Right. So, yeah exactly that's good okay then we can go on to the next one with in terms of um well actually so the, the step in between is kind of when you then get your inbox full up right so one of the things i always tell people when you do a job post create a separate email address because the amount of business owners that i see is trying to find like 17 resume in their last 1000 emails yeah like, right. yeah <laughs>
1: that's, that's a good technique yeah
0: so, but, but yeah, I always tell people create, create a separate email for jobs. And sometimes even if you, if you're getting a lot of job posts, like create a separate email per job, but, but generally just have a jobs email inbox. Right. Yeah. Um, but how, how do you pick, how do you pick what candidates to interview? And
1: Yeah. Right. Exactly. Cause you, you really, you want, really want to funnel it down um, to get to, you know, maybe three or four that, that you're going to spend time with. And, and that's, you know, Up front, it's making sure that you've got the right filters on like the Indeeds of the world, but then um, it's getting some additional questions together for a phone screen that um, will further eliminate um, individuals. There was um, one situation that that comes to mind where uh, my client had um, actually interviewed, did a phone interview with an out-of-town applicant. And they they flew her in to have an interview. And at the end, they found out that um, she w- wasn't going to pass the credit report screening. And she's in, she wasn't fi- going to be in finance, so that was critical. And so if they had asked that question in the phone screen, not only would they save their time but also their money yeah so it's it's getting more questions that can further um narrow the field that um you and you don't want you want to make sure they're questions that are um ones that that are are important not those those like behavioral interviewing questions
0: yeah i agree Yeah, so that's, again, like a lot of my clients, because they are running online businesses all around the world and stuff, they they are a little bit different. But one thing that definitely works really well is basically asking candidates to do a two-minute video of why they think they would be a great fit for the job. Mm -hmm. I think that is probably my absolute favorite because, I mean, when when we do it, right, like I I think probably 50% of the people I can like we can remove from the process just from that two minute video right
1: that's that's Um, a really good technique i've heard i've heard something similar but not from a video perspective and that is some sort of written you know answering some sort of question as it relates to to the position
0: yeah so what uh, the the reason why we found the video to work really well is first of all you can hear how people communicate right and and from behavioral standpoint okay. and so on you can you can figure out the behavior as well which is which is powerful but then i think it's also uh, so for us a, a lot of our clients also deal with you know people in various countries and sometimes you know testing simple things like english communication skills and so on I- can be important uh, but also I think just getting the feel for people. Like, you know, sometimes um, I remember one client, like this this woman was applying for a job and she was sitting recording a video in her car with three kids screaming on the back seat and so on. And it was it was just obvious that she didn't take it that serious, right? right because if exactly. you really wanted the job, like right. that's not how you do a video. But, but those kind of things also, like they're not always 100% right, but it just helps you eliminate candidates that you know, are potentially not a good fit. Yeah.
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. So,
0: and any other great tips from you on uh, in terms of candidate elimination in general?
1: Um, you mean uh, before you get face-to-face with them? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I think those are the ones that I generally will talk to clients about. Yeah. Okay. And I'm going to take that video one. And-
0: it's, it's definitely good. So what, what we also often do, if it's, like let's say you're you're looking for a role where someone has to be really good at following directions or very detail-oriented, mm-hmm. we would actually tell them exactly where to put the video and so on.
1: Uh, ah, yeah, 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 yeah.
0: So, for example, upload this video on YouTube in private setting, uh, Like yeah, yeah, yeah. so basically like, you know, five steps or something because, mm-hmm. again, if you are looking for someone who's very good at following direction and stuff, someone yes. detail-oriented, that can help eliminate some people again.
1: Right? Mm-hmm, yep.
0: And, and again, the, what I also like a lot about the video is the fact that, you know, you have these people that send out like 100 CVs a day and think it's just like a numbers game, right? And most of those are generally too lazy to actually spend two minutes doing a video. And and a lot of those people just won't reply. And and that's good,
1: right? Yeah, exactly. So. Get them to self-select out. Uh, that That's, um, I had a really interesting um, situation. Oh gosh, a couple of years ago, there's a high tech firm here in Atlanta, who's um, rapid, rapidly growing. And I happen to know the, the founder and he invited me into a, um, an interview. It was a panel interview. And one of the questions that they asked was, what's your favorite swear word and how do you like to use it? And, you know, I, I tried to keep a straight face. And after we left, I, I was like, Rob, what's, what's with that question he said well he said um there's a lot of swearing going on in in our company and i want to make sure that whoever comes in kind of understands that right and there were there were people that self-selected out and that that's that's great yep
0: yeah, and again, that's a great way of actually reinforcing your culture and sharing your culture with potential employees, right? I love that example. <laughs> yeah, That that's great. That's great. Um, okay, so if we then move on to the – I mean, nowadays – Actually, a lot of people nowadays, it all ends up being these Zoom calls or Skype calls and stuff. So yeah, right. even like a pre- preliminary call is often with video and stuff as well. But, but, but if, we, if we say we're going to like a, a proper interview, what, how do you determine what questions to ask and how do you go around that process?
1: Yeah. So um, this gets back to understanding the core competencies of your company. And um, a, lot, a lot of small businesses don't understand core competencies. They've never heard of it before. But basically, it's you know, taking your values of your organization and understanding what behaviors are going to support those values. And then from that, what competencies are supporting those, those behaviors? So it's, a, it's kind of a cascading effect. So you have to have a, a competency model um, and large companies get them. You know, they're very can be very complex. I I make it a lot more simpler. Um, but once you understand that for every applicant, for every employee, um, they need um, to be accountable. For instance, then then you create behavioral interview questions to uncover how accountable that person is. And it's a it's a specific question that um, won't lead the witness. So you've you can't you can't use the word accountability in the, in the, the question. Um, but you know tell me about a time that you were you know given a project and um, you were working with a number of other people on a, on a team. So you're, you're also, you can get some team aspect in there as well. Uh, but that the, you know, the project, um, didn't go well, you know, what, what did you do? And then you look for and listen for in all these behavioral interview questions, you listen for I and not we, Um, and then, and then you listen for, You know how did they learn what was their learning process uh what were the results you know did they take ownership for the for the mistakes or did they pass it along to somebody else so those you want questions that are asked for for that position for um that is consistent through each interview so that way you can you can match apples to apples if you're asking different questions of different applicants how can you possibly make the decision
0: yeah i and agree One exception though is if if you're asking them specific questions about their resume or their history but yes. yeah oh, to, totally, totally, totally agree
1: yeah, yeah. yeah it's, this is more around the behave behaviors yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so um those are, that's what i see as uh, a struggle for for small even larger companies will will do this as well but you know my, most of my work is again with smaller companies so yeah. i see I see that a lot I mean,
0: uh, so I, I was really lucky early on in my career so what happened was i, I worked uh, first with a company called xerox and basically mm-hmm. they were i mean i worked it was a large company and uh, yeah. there was a l- probably 2000 people on the site we were at so it, it was a big sort of area and what what happened was they had the HR department who was usually responsible for recruitment yes. and the problem was very often the managers and so on never had time to re- recruit so actually even before I moved into a leadership or management position I actually had the the, the pleasure of getting to help out the HR with recruiting oh, okay. uh, which which was very very interesting and I I, I was lucky to get a experience with that very early on, right? Um, because I, I, I think that's one of these big tricks that uh, most large companies just miss because if you let a, a, a recruitment company, a recruitment organization, just deal with everything and they are not really, really good at understanding what you do and what the candidates need, uh, that, that can be very problematic. Yes, because
1: then, then you're being sent um, applicants that you're going to spend time on that's a waste of your time.
0: Yeah, I mean, basically what I saw happening was that you would literally had someone delivered to your door and said, oh, this guy passed an interview. He'll start tomorrow. And you're like...
1: Oh, gosh, that's terrible.
0: Inter- interesting. And I was like... And that that was... I mean, I worked with IBM as well where, where that was also a, a typical approach, right? And I'm like... That was one thing I learned very early on in that experience was that you need to hire the people who work for you because it's all about accountability. Because what I saw, every time someone struggled a little bit, it was so easy for the manager or or the team leader or whatever to say, oh, well, you know, that's because HR always give me crap people. So rather than actually taking ownership and responsibility, Mm -hmm. it made it so much easier for them to push that away Obviously, that's not a good sign from that individual, but I can understand it as a person. Like, I've managed people, and you know, if, if you just have someone dumped down your leg uh, in your hands and you're like, why on earth would anyone hire this individual? Yeah. That's uh, that's definitely an interesting uh, situation. But it's, it's super relevant to entrepreneurs, though, because I see this happening a lot where either the business owner is trying to hire for some of his or her managers
1: um. or.
0: Mm-hmm. or they don't like hiring and they let other people in the company hire people for them yeah and both of those are from my perspective misfit right so basically my my philosophy is very very clear the person hiring making the final hiring decision is the person they report to yeah right? So, okay. if I have a new manager that I've never interviewed before, I would still go in the interview with them. I would still support them through that interviewing process if I feel that's the right thing. But in the end of the day, I will always let them make the final choice because it's their responsibility to right. make the person deliver, right?
1: Exactly. So, yeah.
0: Right. So, interesting. I, I, I like that. So, lots of behavioral focus questions, that's always useful. Um, any particular sort of points or any, any particular things that you've seen otherwise that really work well, or doesn't work well, and so on in terms of interview questions specifically?
1: Not specific questions because, you know, everybody has a different set of core competencies that they're, yeah. they're looking for. Yeah. But the people that, that get them right um, are the ones that will, will make better hiring decisions. Um, I will say that it, having an assessment uh, validated assessment tool as well will will help um, because oftentimes you have somebody kind of that that uh, mini me, and that's that's where an assessment tool can help you um, build out your team and understand the um, some of the the natural behaviors that people will will have and will go to when they're under stress that you know, I'm doing, I'm helping a marketing company right now. They're um, in the midst of hiring a number of folks. And for some reason they keep choosing these mini me's. <laughs> and, and, but the assessment lets them know that. And so now you know, they've, they've got one person who, who's really good at what, what they do and we're profiling that person and we're we're now looking looking back at the at the job posting you know how are you, who are you attracting and your filters to get to the point where you're you're getting all these mini me's there's something wrong in the the back end that we need to figure out
0: right so th- this is actually one thing that's a great point because this is one thing that one of the problems is when you are writing a job description you often write it the way you like to read it.
1: Yeah. And what that
0: often means is that you appeal to people who communicate like you.
1: Exactly. So if you're
0: very straight to the point, very goal-oriented, you yeah. then, then you're looking for a job description like that. So if yeah. you're writing the job description, you, that in itself in many cases will make it more likely to find more people who have a behavior that's more similar to your own. Right?
1: That's, a, that's a great point. Great. Point. Yeah. 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 Okay.
0: That's good. What, I mean, I, I, I am, I'm a huge fan of, of a particular assessment tool, but what, what, what do you usually recommend? Uh, from so our assessment I
1: actually staff? use um, a, an assessment to, first of all, they need to be validated. Um, there, there are some great assessment tools out there that are, are good for development purposes uh, and team building, but they're not validated like Myers-Briggs. So I, um, Make sure that if, you, if you're using an assessment tool, it's one that's validated for hiring purposes. Now, the one I use um, happens to be an assessment that comes um, from Georgia Tech here in Atlanta, Georgia. And um, the the owner um, I happen to know and known him for a long time. And what I liked about the, the assessment was not only was it validated for hiring, but it um, it had language that, that you could understand. So for instance, I mean, I'm, I'm certified in Myers-Briggs as well, but if you said to somebody, okay, I'm an ENTP, it's not really descriptive. Whereas I, using the, the business DNA, I'm an influencer. I'm not an initiator, I'm not um, an adapter. So it's, it's more descriptive when you're, when you're talking to somebody, and you can create a language internally in the organization around this assessment tool, so that people then understand okay, you know um, Beth is an influencer, and her strongest uh, factors are creative and spontaneous so she's you know she's not planned and and she loves to to um, create new things, and that also means that um, from a communication standpoint she likes high level bullets and visual visual uh, cues versus um, somebody who's into the detail
0: yeah i like that i like that so so i'm i'm a, a, an absolutely jimongous fan of uh, the disk framework
1: uh-huh. um
0: and and the reason i love disk above anything else is the fact that it is so when when you're good at it, it's so simple to tell yeah. people personality from their behaviors. Yeah. So my my fundamental problem with all the assessments is one, a lot of people don't know themselves very well, and mm-hmm. often assessments reflect that. And two, in interview situations in particular, no matter what you tell people, they will always pick the answers they think you want to hear. Right. So even if you tell people like, oh, it's an assessment to understand your personality, I've, I've seen it so many times where, you know, people are consciously sitting, trying to second guess what are they looking for? Right. And, and I see I, I've, I've done a lot of tests where, you know, I've seen a, a person's personality and, and then you look at the test at the interview stage and just it just doesn't match. Right.
1: That's interesting. You know, I think, you know, DISC, Disc is one that that will measure the natural and then the adapted, so that that adapted is probably the one where things kind of go awry i mean it's it's pretty hard to to really game the system a lot of a lot of assessments will have what's called the the bullshit factor, and they will alert guess you know this this person this some of these responses. Are are highly counter yep. to to um, previous ones. the The business DNA does not have that, but what it does it's it's highly validated. Uh, what it does is it it measures your personality, your behaviors that were built between zero and three years old. So it's things that that worked for you as a kid. So what, for instance, um, one of the things that it uh, measures is um, self-reliance. And I am like off the chart self-reliant. Well, my theory is, is because when I was five, I had three younger brothers. I had to become independent to survive because my mother was busy with uh, number three and number four. So that, those, those things were built in really early on. Now, that can be good and bad. And, and then you've got to figure out, okay, based on experience, when do, when do I personally need to be group oriented versus highly independent? And yeah. that's when you get into the behavioral questions as well, if, yeah. you're, if you're looking for a, a team player who builds consensus and you see somebody who's highly independent you need to ask them questions of you know tell me about a time when you had to build consensus with a team and how did, yep. how did you approach it and stuff like that
0: yeah yeah i i find i find that super interesting right because my i mean i've i've worked with this for probably about 15 years now so i I've, I've invested a lot of hours and, and what I do see is similar to what you're saying is that basically people's natural behavior, it's either something they're born with or something that happens to them very early on, right? Yeah. Because I, 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 I mean, you can see a three-year-old kid, when you look at their behavior, you can mm-hmm. understand their natural behavior and you can understand like what they're going to be like when they grow right. up, right? Exactly. Um, and, and I think that that's what I find. Uh, like, like, honestly, when I first started learning about this, you know, as kids, you're always told, like, everyone's unique and all this, yada, yada. Yeah. But when you actually start learning behaviors and you realize, no, we're not actually, we can we can be boxed in pretty well, right? Yeah. That That's both interesting, but it's so valuable, particularly in recruitment situations, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and particular roles where I've seen this play out is, in roles when you're hiring accountants, and it's particularly the detail oriented roles, because very often that's people who are not very good at selling themselves.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And what you often have is you have these sort of more salesy people or more assertive people coming in to those kind of interview. They're needing a job. And they're, the, the thing is they talk really well for themselves and they're really good at you know, selling themselves. And I see so many business owners ending up with people in these type of data, very detailed-oriented roles where it's just absolutely not the right fit
1: because of this. Right. And that's where an assessment will shine it exactly you'll be able to see right away you know okay this person has been an accountant for the last umpty ump years how often can they be detailed and you know is that putting them under stress i i personally um majored in finance which but it's not
0: something you enjoy
1: no the first seven years of my professional life i was having to do detail work and it was stressing me out. I was not, you know, I was good at it, but I didn't, it wasn't a passion of mine. And, you know, fortunately at the time I was working for a large company and I was able to transfer into a um, sales training position and, and moved into sales. But if I had had that ability to take one of those assessments back before I declared my major, I probably would have changed to marketing or, you know, Organizational behavior something like that versus finance
0: <laughs> oh, and, and it's actually it 's funny because it 's one of the things that i 'm like I cannot understand like colleges and schools and education systems and so on that they don 't do this kind of thing right uh, again, and I see it both ways like I see people who start like they see like oh these you know developers they build these great companies, and suddenly they 're a billionaire and you know all this stuff, and it sounds cool to them. And they start this four or five year education and you're like, yeah, they, I mean, they get dizzy when they spe- see a spreadsheet with 10 numbers on it, right? <laughs> they're never right. going to be a programmer. And, and it's, I find it so, I find it annoying to, to some extent, but so sad really that educational institutions aren't utilizing that kind of information yeah. more to actually help people make good choices because yeah, I know they're all trying to fill quarters and get people to pay, but like there's so <laughs> yeah. much- you're so much better off if people actually have a successful outcome. Right. Like it's so much easier to be a teacher. It's so much better for like your reputation and everything if, if people actually have a great outcome from being in your school, right?
1: Yeah, don't get don't get me on that whole.
0: <laughs> no, on. I'm. I, 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 I realize I'm probably running in the, in the <laughs> no. wrong direction right now. So, right. Let's, let's go to the sort of final hiring decision. So you, you've, you've interviewed really well. You've found a couple of people that are, that are, well, so basically I have a filter saying, I sometimes see people hire the best person, yeah. even if they're not good enough. And, and that's a risk, right? So one yeah. of the key things that I always tell people is the first thing, don't get, fall in love with someone. You need to sit down and say, are you comfortable? This person can really do the job well. And and the first time you hire, that might be difficult, right? But when you have hired five, six, seven people, mm-hmm. so often business owners bend into the pressure of, oh, we really need someone and hire, yeah. even though they don't necessarily, they're not comfortable with the decision. So the first thing for me is, I always ask business owners, how many of these people that you have interviewed, do you actually think would be a great individual in your business? and. Mm-hmm the answer should always be at least one if you are going to hire one of the people you have talked with. Right.
1: Right. Exactly. But, but any
0: particular sort of other decisions or any particular thinking around re- hiring otherwise.
1: Yeah. I, you know, I, I think that it's, there's the old adage that, you know, you, you, you can't teach attitude, but you can teach skills. So, you know, if, if you find, for instance, um, a, a great programmer that might not have, all the right technical skills, you can teach them that. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's like finding salespeople. Oh my gosh, how, how difficult is that? A lot of people go to the, find a, just a great person who has the profile um, that has the behaviors that would make a good salesperson and then train them. Granted, smaller companies don't have oftentimes the resources the time to do that so what I find is they're they're looking for somebody that can hit the ground running or
0: or sometimes the skill set I mean so sometimes you have a company who is not developers who is looking for a developer to help them and they they aren't the trainers and yeah so that that makes sense yeah
1: exactly yeah so you know it's a delicate balance um, when you when you're hiring especially the smaller the company the the harder it is because a bad hire in a, a business of 10, it's is so much harder to recover from than a bad hire in a company of 50. Yeah. Or a hundred.
0: Yeah, or, or even lower. Like if you're doing your first, second, third, fourth hire and you hire someone really bad, like that, it can literally cripple your business, right? Yeah. Because you need an ROI. Like in the beginning, like even affording to hire a full-time staff member in the beginning that's a lot of money. And if they don't work out, like that is expensive.
1: Yeah. And you know, that, that gets back to um, making sure that the individual is going to fit with your culture. You know, that that person could have been a superstar in a larger company. Okay. And then going to a smaller company. And we, that was something that we ran into a number of times when we had our, our consulting company is we would, We'd hire from like a um, Accenture, and they would come in, and they would, you know, expect. You know, this was back 20 years ago. They'd expect to have somebody answering the phones, th- those kinds of things. They they were a bad fit. They didn't understand how to how to work within a smaller company that had um, fewer resources, etc. But it's also the culture too. Yep. You want to make sure that the, the person fits your culture. It's, I liken it to a, the palm tree. The palm tree will, will thrive in Florida. But if you pick it up and transplant it into Alaska, it's going to die. It's, it's the same thing with people. If, if, you, if you don't get the right cultural fit, that, that individual is not going to last long in your company. Yep. And it costs a lot of money to, uh, for turnover.
0: Yeah. I mean, recruitment is expensive, but turnover, like having to let go of staff and so on, is really expensive because then you need to do the whole thing over again, right? So it's yeah. both the, the wasted time and energy in the person who's leaving, but mm-hmm. also the fact that you actually need to start that whole process over again, right?
1: You get a lot of other things that you have to do as a, as a business owner and having to replace somebody is time-consuming.
0: No fun. Yeah. Okay, that sounds, uh, that sounds excellent. I think yeah. that's uh, anything else before we sort of finish off on this recruitment? Any other sort of key tips? Well, I or- think,
1: well, the the other thing is once once you hire somebody, they've accepted the position, you need to immediately onboard them. Even though they, they may not be starting for a couple of weeks, uh, you need to get keep them excited about their decision, and have a really rigorous onboarding program that starts from the from the day they accepted uh, the position all the way out um, ninety plus days, so that so they're they're fully integrated not just into their position but into the culture of the organization, and that they understand kind of the unwritten rules. Um, I often suggest, you know, assigning a mentor for um, an individual that's that's joining the organization, and and making sure that um, they're integrated quickly. I don't know if you've you've heard these stories, but there are a lot of companies, especially smaller ones, where a applicant will will agree to to a start date, and they never show up. There's a, there's a lot of ghosting going on. I mean, think about that. You've, you've spent all that time, and two weeks later, you're, you're waiting for this individual to show up. Nothing, nothing. But if, that's why I like to start onboarding immediately after they've accepted, to, keep, to continue the excitement of the decision that the, the applicant had made.
0: I love that. That's that's uh, that's really good advice and I think that's uh, I, again particularly in smaller businesses it's hard to know how to do that well but I think I think the essence is again you keep the communication because you know I I've, I've seen people that have told yep you're you're hired you can start you know 3 weeks from now and then if you if they don't hear a thing from you like if they don't like they hardly know where to show up like they're like Ooh, what's this company all about like what's what's happening here why are they not telling me things why are they right. not talking to me etc that that's that's a huge turn off right and even if they're still excited when they if they do show up and so on you're right. you're definitely much better off uh, giving them more early on and and by the way it's also a great learning opportunity because my experience is that the more people know the day about your business, the day they walk into your business, the yeah. more likely they are to be successful. Right. Right. Exactly. So if you can give them more info, if you can give them like that, could that could be simple things like you know check out our most common products on our website or like and and, and you you can't say oh you have to do this before you show up, but the thing yeah. is most people who are excited, they're, we'll they're it. eager, they're right. eager, they want to do it, right? Exactly. Right. I think that is great. So before we finish off, um, anything else, any other sort of amazing tips, any other amazing resources or the likes that you think would be valuable for the audience around what we've talked about?
1: I think we've covered a lot of ground.
0: <laughs> yep, definitely. Definitely, that's good. Any any sort of favorite books or anything that you, you're a big fan of in this area?
1: Um, one that's uh, great for smaller businesses is um, one called How to Be a Great Boss. It's mm-hmm. written by Gina Wickman. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Traction. I love Gina Wickman, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. so um, I, I use that uh, quite a bit for uh, new manager training. Use that Excellent. as well. a yeah. yeah. Excellent. So that's a great one.
0: Well, Beth, it had been fantastic talking with you. Uh, if people are eager to get hold of you after listening to our call today or our podcast, what's the best way of getting hold of you? And
1: Yeah, there's, uh, there's two ways. One is through LinkedIn. I'm, yeah. um, you can find me as Beth Arm Connect Miller, and I will spell that it's A-R-M-K-N-E-C-H-T Miller. Uh, you won't, I'm the only one there. So <laughs> just type that in. You'll find me on LinkedIn. And Perfect. I do, do accept uh, in messages. And then uh, also my website, which is yeah. www.executive-velocity.com. You can uh, contact me through that as well. And on that website, I've got a lot of free resources that are downloadable that will help you in uh, your hiring process.
0: Fantastic. That sounds amazing, Beth. I will include the links to all this good stuff on the show notes as well. So for the audience, if you do want to get hold of Beth, you can also find it on the podcast page. So thank you very much for joining me today, Beth. It was a pleasure talking
1: to you. I enjoyed it. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to the Mad Singers Management Podcast. Please leave a review. It means the world to us. You can also learn more about management at madsingers.com.